Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. I think I will sit for a while since Heather's not here. She tells me I can't sit down, so y'all keep it between us. <clears throat> she doesn't listen to my podcast. I'm, I'm totally clear. Over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, on Wednesday night, we're going to be walking through this great chapter. We're going to spend our time in it because I only have 25 points to get to you out of this chapter, all right, unless you want them all tonight. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Thank you, Crystal. I love you. If it's just us, we'll do it. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Now faith. Can I have everybody shout now faith? That's good. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of believers. What a beautiful thing it is. What a glorious thing it is when your people gather and worship you in spirit and in truth. We're here because we want to be here. We're not here because the law requires us to be here. We're not here out of obligation. Lord, we're here because we want to be here. We enjoy your presence. We are grateful. We're overcome by your goodness in our lives. And Lord, it's a joy to be in your house. It's a joy. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So, Lord, we're glad to be here tonight, and how rich and how good is this fellowship. Thank you that tonight you are revealing to us the exceeding riches of your grace. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people. Lord, we know what your word does for us, and, Lord, there's so much more for us to experience from it. It is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. So we invite your word to have its full effect in our lives. Change us, Lord. Make us more like you tonight, that we leave here better than we came. We came in good, but Lord, we're only getting better. And we thank you that we are being transformed from glory to glory into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I have to read the Amplified version of this verse for just a moment. It says this, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see. You know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Anybody ever been to China here? Do you, how many of you believe China's there? <laughs> you haven't seen it. You hadn't even been there, but you believe it's there. How? How do you believe it's there? Why do you, why do you believe? Because the internet told you? You believe it because somebody told you. And you took them at, your word, at, at their word. You believed that book that you were reading in World Geography. Because think about it. Everything that you believe, you believe because somebody taught you that. Somebody told, told it to you. So you're going to believe somebody and something. You might as well believe the word. You might as well believe God. Amen. That's good preaching. Being the proof, the proof of things, faith being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So the senses aren't everything. 
Write this down. Uh, actually, I'm going to have Brooke uh, put, some, put these points up here, and I want to encourage you to take notes on this tonight. This first truth that we see from this great chapter is faith is not governed by the senses. Faith is not governed by the senses. Now, our senses are important for us. Uh, you know, it's important. I like to taste things, don't you? I have a friend who I went to Bible college with by the name of Jeff Lyle, and Jeff is a special kind of guy, and um, he's an artist, and he's funny, stand-up, does stand-up comedy and stuff, but he, when he was a young man, was riding his moped down the highway in California, and a car hit him from behind, and he flipped over that car, and uh, after all that he was, all the injuries he incurred, he lost his taste, his sense of taste. So now he relies on, now he tastes food by texture. He's learned to appreciate food by texture and not by taste. What a bummer. So we, we like to be able to taste things, don't we? Isn't it, nice to know, isn't it nice to hear the Word tonight? Some people don't hear. You're hearing tonight. Amen. It's good to have the sense. How about seeing? Isn't it good to see my handsome face tonight? I'm waiting. Oh, okay. It's good to see your handsome faces as well and pretty faces. Touch. Touch is important. Husbands and wives, come on, talk to me tonight. Touch is important. Huh? We appreciate touch. Now we, we, we appreciate our senses. And, they, and in some ways, and they're, they're, these things are very important to us, um, but we cannot completely depend on these things, especially when it comes to the things of God, because the, the things of God are outside of the sensual realm. It's that sense of faith. When a scuba diver is uh, being trained and, and uh, they're, they're told some basic things about being in deep water. And uh, when you're in deep water, you're encircled by light. How many of you here have ever done any scuba diving? Anybody here? No? Okay. Then you can't tell me if I'm wrong or right. So I've snorkeled, but I've never scubaed. But there's no way that you can tell which way is up because the water diffuses the light. And uh, there, you're also weightless in that water. So you have no sense of, of gravity uh, in that water. The only way that, that you can tell which way to get out of the water, does anybody know? The bubbles. You follow the bubbles because the bubbles won't lie. And, and being surrounded by this aura of light and weightlessness, it's very easy to lose all sense of direction and get disoriented. A professional trainer uh, of diving will tell you that uh, you may sense that this way is up when, in fact, it's not up, when maybe the bubbles are going sideways, but you have to always trust the bubbles. That no matter what you're sensing, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you think, you have to follow the bubbles. So you can't just base your life on your senses, on the things that you think and perceive and feel, because uh, you can be very easily led astray by your senses. Uh, the philosophy of if it feels good, it must be right. How many of you found that that's not altogether true? Uh, it's a dangerous guide to follow because your feelings can play all sorts of tricks on you. And if something is wrong, then it's wrong regardless of how you feel about it. Can I get a good amen? Your senses are important, 
And as I said, they can be trusted in many ways, but our interpretation of what we're sensing may not always be accurate. Uh, the only safe guide to follow then is, when it comes to your life, is to believe God, to believe His Word, and let faith then govern your life in the end. Because faith will always lead you in the right way. No matter what, it will always take you to the right place. Look at verse 2. Faith is not governed by the senses. For by it, what's the it? What's the it? For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now, the elders we're going to find uh, later on, it's going to mention the name of the elders. It's not talking about the elders of a church necessarily, although they obtain a good report too by faith. But the elders are forefathers of faith. The elders obtained, obtained a good testimony or a good report by faith. I love this. Um, <clears throat> my brother years ago was in Mozambique, Africa, and he, uh, one day they had some downtime, and so the, the missionary was showing them uh, out on the property was, were these ruins, this wall that had been broken down by, by civil wars through the years, and they were using part of the wall to make a goat pen, actually. But they, he was showing them these walls and showing them uh, the, uh, that they had holes in them from cannons, from cannonballs that had shot through them years prior. So my brother wanted to snap a picture of this wall. So he had his nephew, Paul, go to the wall. That's all I got. Uh, and hold his hand next to the hole so that you could at least get an idea of what's, how big the hole was on the wall. Because, you know, the camera always shrinks everything up. So Paul did that, and my brother took a shot of him, his hand next to that hole in the wall. And then after they got done with their missions trip, and they were looking over some pictures and things uh, before they left, the missionary said, can I use some of your pictures? Um, because I, I send out a monthly uh, newsletter, and I'd like to use some of the pictures that you have. So my brother downloaded all those pictures for him to his computer and then left. Well, a few weeks later, Brandon's in the, in the States now, and he gets a newsletter. And the newsletter has pictures from their event. And on the front, front page is that picture that my brother took. He thought that was so cool that Paul's hand is there next to that cannon uh, ball hole in the wall. But there's a caption under the picture that reads this, Visitor prays for our wall. <laughs> Not exactly the story. You know, what, what was your story, God changed because you believed Him. And faith made a whole new story out of you. What, you know, the, the truth is, others are watching your story in progress. They can't see the born-again spirit. They can't see your heart. All they can see is what's on the outside. And people that know you now as a Christian and like to remind you that's not what Christians do. Isn't it interesting how the world has a standard for you? Right? And you call yourself a Christian. Right? All of a sudden you stick out, right? And so that's the way it is because that when, you, when you're a believer, your life is on display. Hey, Christian, get over it. This is, no long, this is not just a personal relationship between me and Jesus. All right? No, you are a light now. All right, you're a light. <laughs> Jesus said you're the light of the world. All right, I'm saying there ain't no quiet about it. There ain't no darkness about it. There ain't no hiding about it. 
All right? And so just don't be alarmed and don't be surprised when people start seeing that light and start saying something about that light because they will. All right? That ought to encourage you, not discourage you. All right? The lights are on, apparently. Amen. But faith changes your story, and you have to be convinced of that more than what others are saying about you. And the way that you do that is by believing what God has said about you. You who were sin now are righteousness. Faith changed your story. It's amazing that faith changed these guys' story. And I've, I've talked to you about this before, but I just want to remind you tonight of these powerful things. We know David's life, don't we? We know David, who was a great guy. I mean, this guy beat Goliath and wrought a great victory for Israel. And David did lots of, you know, David invented instruments. David made up instruments and then learned to play them. And then he taught other people how to play them. I mean, this guy was amazing. And, and so, and, and the, he built the tabernacle, which was just the tent, just the tent, and put the Ark of the Covenant there in the middle, and people could come and freely worship. And it was like the whole system of Judaism was on suspension for David's era. And that tabernacle is what has been restored today, that we can all come and freely worship God. David was a New Testament symbol or type of how we worship God, freely before him, freely into his presence. It's glorious. But David not only was a warrior and a songwriter and a singer and a dancer and you know, all kinds of, and a king, and a shepherd, all, all those wonderful things. But there's also some problems in David's life as well. You know, there was a time, the scripture says, that kings go to war, and kings went to war in the spring of the year. And they went to war to gather spoils from the war so that the kingdom could be advanced. All right, that's what they did. That was one of the, the main jobs of the kings. And, you, you know, we've talked about this in our Kings and Priests series, that they went out. Well, this, at this particular season, David stayed back. Scripture says David stayed at Jerusalem, and that was a big problem. The reason David stayed at Jerusalem, because he got his eyes on another man's wife. And David's roof, the king's house, was higher than all the other houses in the city. And in the evening time, the ladies would go up on the roof, and that's when they would bathe. They would wait till the evening to get out of the heat of the day. Well, David just so happened to be up on his roof that night. I have a feeling he had a little practice of it. I happened to be on his roof that night, and oh, mm, there's Bathsheba. There's Bathsheba, and he sees her and calls for her, and her husband is off fighting David's war, Uriah, and he does what the king does and takes her for his own and uh, takes advantage of her, and then she ends up with child. So then he calls for Uriah to come back home because now he's got to cover this thing up. Uriah, go have fun with your wife. Start a, have another honeymoon. And Uriah's thinking, why is he calling me off the battlefield to do this? So David goes to bed thinking, all right, Uriah's, he, oh, first of all, he gets him drunk and then sends him out the door. So David, the next morning, wakes up, opens the door to go out, and he trips over Uriah. And Uriah's fast asleep at his threshold. He says, what, did you not go home last night? He said, no, I didn't go home. He said, how can I go, how can I go home and enjoy my wife when I got brothers and they're bleeding on the battlefield? I can't do this. So David said, all right, uh, let's try this again. So they have a big party, and he gets Uriah full of wine again and says, now go, 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 go. Well, guess what? Next day, same thing. There's Uriah at his threshold of his door. I can't do that, king. I can't do that. It's not fair to my brothers. I got to go back. So David said, okay, since you're, since you're noble... <laughs> And since you're honest, I'm going to send you back to war, but I need you to take this letter with you. And he writes this letter to his captain, Joab, and says, Joab, I want you to put Uriah on the front lines 
And when you put him on the very front, I want everybody else to retreat, so make sure that guy gets killed. And he hands Uriah his own death warrant. And Uriah, who is not going to, uh, who is noble to the king, who is loyal to the king, grabs a hold of that letter and runs back to battle, happy to be back, having no idea that in this letter is his death warrant. And he runs back to the battle. Sure enough, Joab looks at it thinking, did you look at this? No, because the king's seal is on it. And that's exactly what happened. They put Uriah up front, and the, 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 the army retreated, and he was killed. And the end of all of that, David, in David's life, Bathsheba bears him a son, and that baby ends up dying. The whole thing was just such a mess. And you would think that after that kind of event that things would be over for David. But they weren't over. But when we get into the New Testament, there's one testimony of King David in the New Testament. And that testimony is from God himself talking about David. And he says this, He is a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. I'd say that guy's story changed. See, Old Testament, you see all the mess. But under the blood of Jesus, the story changes. That's why your identity is so important that you identify with him and him alone and his story because his story is now your story. Where he was crucified, so were you. That's why there's no use and it's a waste of time to hold on to anything back here. Anything that you did, anything that you identified, the hurts, all of that stuff, leave it where it is because faith has changed your story. Come on, tell somebody, faith changed your story. Come on, tell somebody, faith changed my story. Amen. You believe that tonight? By faith, you become a whole new creation. In him, and, and you know what? And in him, there is no remembrance of who you were, but only who you've now become. God has so much more in the now and in the future than what was. You know, I love what Jeremiah says, that he gives you a future and a hope. Everybody's going into the future, but you're going into the future with hope. Amen. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. You know, faith brings understanding. That's not one of the points. I guess you could. Let's do it 26 points tonight. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I want you to write this down. Faith helps you understand the power of words. Faith helps you understand the power of words. It was the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things that we see were not made by the things which are visible. So it's not going to take visible things for you to see what you need to see. It's going to take invisible things to be spoken so that you can see what you need to see. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You have to call those things that be not as though they were so that those things become visible. And that happens by invisible faith, speaking invisible words, believing in an invisible God. And when all that happens, guess what? Things begin to materialize. And you who are made in the image of God are also able to frame your world as he framed these worlds by his words, so you frame your world by your words. So let me just say this. Open your mouth and build it. Open your mouth and build it. Declare it so. Call it forth in Jesus' name. 
We understand the power of words. We understand it. How? By faith. Faith helps us get it. And so then we have this confession of faith. Words build. Words create. Words are how faith is released into action. Listen to this little scripture. Proverbs 15, 23. It says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. How good it is. Job said this, You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Open your mouth and build it. Faith is the understanding. Faith is how we understand. Helps you understand, I'm sorry, the power of words. All right, verse 4. Can you take two more? We'll do two more tonight. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. That's key. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Faith moves you to give generously. Faith moves you to give generously. Abel offered a more excellent, a more excellent what? Sacrifice. Hey, listen to me. It's not a sacrifice if it's easy. It's not a sacrifice if it's easy. Generosity is not easy. Generosity is sacrificial giving. Generosity is that ready to act right now. The Scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. That word literally means ready, prompt to do it right now. Not only happy to do it, but prompt to do it right now. A person who has a generous spirit is one who is not persuaded by circumstances before they decide to give. They give without hesitation. Dangerous giving. Dangerous giving. Sacrificial giving. Generous, generous people are not graspers. They're releasers. Huh? They're not, they, don't, they don't think, I got a whole lot, I got a whole lot, I got to accumulate, accumulate. No, they just give, give, give. Not concerned. And what does that do for God? It completely obliges God. I mean, he obligates God. He has to do something here. Because the scripture says he will owe no man anything. But it's that generous prompt to do it. And Abraham offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice. I mean, we have a, a real good scripture on this, a good story where Jesus was watching people give in the offering. Can you imagine the pressure of that? What if Jesus showed up during offering time? Would we give a bigger offering that night? Come on, come on. Wouldn't we, wouldn't, wouldn't we put the biggest bill we had in our wallet in that night? Oh, Jesus, watch this. He's watching, them, he's watching them give, and the rich are putting on a show for him, man. I mean, they're pulling out big wads of cash, and they're throwing it in there, and Jesus is just watching them all walk by, and they're showing him all their Ben Franklins and throwing them in. And, and then this little old lady walks by, and she opens up her little coin purse and takes out two little Abraham Lincoln penny, pennies. That's what they had back then, you know. Anyway, and she throws them in that, closes her little change purse, and walks out. And Jesus went, guys, did you see that? Did you guys see? That was amazing. She gave more than all of those guys. And his disciples are like, uh, 
what? You saw that was two pennies, not two gold coins. That was two. You saw all that stuff, all that flash, all those other guys were given, and she gives two pennies. You, she gave it. He said, yeah, because she gave all she had. She gave that scary kind of giving. She emptied out her bank account right here. Gave everything she had and walked out of here completely destitute and broke. Good job, Granny. <laughs> These guys were making no sacrifices because they're just giving out of their abundance, he said. That doesn't impress him one bit. That doesn't impress him one bit. But it's the one who really trusts him, who's willing to give Ooh, it stings a bit. You know, anybody ever written that check? You know, I've, I've done that. I've written my tithe check like, oh, God, please come through. Am I the only one here? I'm telling you. It, 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 it happens. We're going to end on this one, actually, tonight. I've got to tell you one more story. Some of you have heard me preach, have probably heard this story. But it was years ago I was in uh, Lockhart, Texas, at a pastor's conference, at a church conference, and uh, and Heather and I, back then, we were we were running out of a month our money before we were a month, and uh, so we were on a tight budget, especially because we had Maddie Claire, and uh, man, kids cost a lot of money, <laughs> golly, and uh, what I was making in the church was just barely covering what we were we were making. I was having to teach guitar lessons to, you know, bring in some extra money. So I'd made this trip down there to Lockhart from San Angelo, and I had budgeted out all my money, you know, for the trip, made sure I saved gas. Back then, I had a $20 bill left, and I could fill up my tank for 20 bucks. It's not bad. Actually, we're not that far from there now. Gas prices are good, but I think it was around a dollar a gallon then. And, uh, oh, Lord, bring back those days. <laughs> or make that dollar grander. Anyway... So it was, the, I was, it was like five nights of meetings, and this was the final night of the meeting. It was Friday night, and this, uh, this pastor by the name of Larry Huck was there, and he was, he was pre- man, I mean, he was just preaching and uh, preaching about uh, prosperity and God uh, wanting you to be blessed and, and, and wealthy with his abundance. And it was just powerful. Well, as he's preaching, people are just getting up out of their seats and running up front and just throwing money at his feet. And I was like, I want to get in on that. All I had was that $20 bill, and I knew that was supposed to go in my gas tank so I could get home. So, uh, but I got caught up in this moment. I'm like, no, I got I to gotta give. So I took that $20 bill out of my wallet, and I ran up there, and I just threw it down at that guy's feet, and I went back to my seat, and everybody was rejoicing and everything. But you know, when you go to bed that night, you've left the service, you left all the hype, and you're like, what did I do? He's come out of that fog, you know, the spirit lifts, and you're like, oh, okay. So now I'm thinking, okay, okay. I got it. And I really, I really got caught up in this, this thing where I, I thought I knew what God, how God was going to provide. We've got to be careful about that. So I pull over at this gas station in San Marcos, Texas, and started pumping gas. Back then, you could pump gas before you went and paid. Y'all remember that? Gone are those days. You could pump gas. So I'm out there waiting. I'm thinking, okay, I know what's going to happen because I've heard stories like this. I know how God's going to provide. I'm going I'm to be filling up my car, and somebody's going to pull in off the highway and say, God told me to stop my car and fill up your, and, and pay for your gas. 
So I'm looking down I-35 just waiting for that miracle moment. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. This this is a true story. I'm just watching. All right, God, I know you've done it. I know you're going to do it, Jesus. You saw me do that. You saw me put that offering in. You'll owe an old man anything. You owe me big time right now. I need you to pay up. Let's just settle the score right here, Jesus. Click. Thing goes off. Car's full. And nobody has shown up. So I hang up the little thing. And I jump in my car and I take off, man. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. (laughs) Come on. I'm a pastor. Now, I went to the ATM machine that was there and pulled out money that was designated for something else. And I didn't have a cell phone back then, so there's no way I could call my wife to prepare her for this. I just thought, I'll deal with her when I get home. So I got home, and I told her about the meeting. And, you know, that didn't phase Heather one bit. She goes, well, all right, well, then God will take care of us. I was like, whew. What is it about women, guys, that scare us to death, man? That little wife, I mean, I could beat her to the ground, but I'm so scared of her. I was just glad to get away from that. So this is a Saturday, and our church back then had a Saturday night service, and I was the worship leader there. And uh, so we had, we had worship time, and, uh, and it was particularly hot in the church that night, I remember. So I, I walked off the stage after the worship service and walked out of the front doors to get some fresh air, not knowing that a man was following me. And uh, so I turned around, and he, was, he said, hey, uh, Eric, I, my wife and I have been thinking about you and Heather, and we just wanted to just show our appreciation for you, appreciate what you do. We love you, and just want to give you this. And he hands me a, a check, folded up, and... I said, wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. He turns around and walks in, so I'm like, what is on this? $500. Now, in one day, in one day, $20 turns into $500. That beats somebody coming and filling my tank up any day. See, God, he, he likes to get on, in on this thing with you. And if you'll just choose to walk by faith, let it move you to that generosity, that generous kind of giving, where you're, where you're, you're stepping out of your ability, where this kind of giving says, I'm trusting God now. I'm not, I'm, this isn't just one little part of my bill paying. No, I'm, I'm out here now. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Get out there with him and watch what he will do. Just watch what he will do. I promise you, he will not fail you. As a matter of fact, I think you might get addicted to it even more. I'm not saying you're not generous. I'm just saying we can all take another step in it, all right? If God gave Jesus, he gave us the most generous gift. There are no limits to your generosity, amen? Faith, faith moves you to give generously. Let faith rise in your heart to the place where any hesitation to give is swallowed up by this joyful thing called generosity. God will absolutely not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Amen. All right, we're going to stop there. We're going to get through four, and we'll move on to the next ones next Wednesday. Has this encouraged you tonight? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, for the assurance that we have called faith called faith in God. Lord, it, it, it takes all the questions out, Lord. There, it's, 
It's a knowing that we know even when we don't know. So, Lord, we, we choose to believe beyond the senses, to believe beyond human reasoning and human thinking, believe beyond what we can see or what we even know already. Father, we want God knowledge. We want to know what your word says and to believe what your word. We want Bible experience in our life. We want your promises alive in our lives. We want them to be our realities, Lord. And we thank you that these things are obtained. These things are accessed by faith. Hallelujah. Help us, God, to rise to the level of your word, to not be persuaded by our surroundings, God, to not be persuaded by reports of others, Lord, to not be persuaded by even own symptoms in our own body, Lord, to not be persuaded by, Lord, lack of any kind, but Father, to hold on to your word, to believe that you are faithful, you are true, you are just, you will always do the right thing, Lord, so that we will always be ready, Father, to move by faith, whatever it takes, in any place, at any time, because God, we know that you can be trusted. Your word says that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. But what if we're full of faith? If we're full of faith, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Thank you for that. Let your people, Lord, leave here tonight charged up in faith tonight. Charged, energized, Lord, in faith. In the name of Jesus, we know that faith is the victory. It is the victory that overcomes the world. That is the world and everything in it. And there's nothing in this world, do this for me, turn to somebody and tell them this, there's nothing in the world two people can't do as long as one of them is God and the other one is you. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.